0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to Rant during the COVID-19 quarantine season of... Love it. ...2020.
1: Actually, I hate it, and I'm tired of it, but love it.
0: Actually, I think you're having a great time, Hunter. You keep saying that, but then your Instagram stories say otherwise.
1: I know. (laughs) I make it look like it's... You know, it's stressful. It's stressful, stressful, stressful. And I know it's very serious, so I won't make light of it. Mm Mm-hmm hmm
0: yep we're taking stay at home very seriously
1: okay we actually really are over here like we truly like we are so intense about self-quarantine it is kind of like people think we're extra but i think if we all just did what my family's doing then maybe we'd get our tails out of this situation a lot faster so what's your family doing Um, well, we literally don't go like, okay, when we go to the grocery store, it's kind of funny, like we went to like Trader Joe's and Ralph's and we went like at the crack of dawn when it opened and we wore gloves and we were like, literally like walking around and blah, blah, blah. And then afterwards, like a couple days later, we're like, oh, we need to like just pick up one thing. So we went to Sprouts, which is really close to my parents' house. Mm -hmm. And we go into Sprouts all, you know, gloved up and there's like it's like just like everyone no one's wearing gloves anyways I don't know I regret telling this story it's not that good but it's this we're just intense over here okay we like cross the street like when we're going for a walk and there's someone else on the sidewalk like we cross the street to avoid them like we really don't (laughs) and then like when my sister comes over like to surf like to pick up her surfboards we like don't let her inside the house. Like she's not allowed inside the house. She has to stay outside of the house the entire time and we stay six feet away from her. And so, yeah, it's just, um, we're just intense. We just go balls to the walls as they say. Also
0: our audience probably doesn't know this. We know this, but we are right now, um, doing this virtual recording, I'm in Pleasant Grove, Utah, and Hunter's in
1: what's the city you're in right now? Capistrano Beach, California. <laughs> so we've been about how to record.
0: I don't know why that sounds so
1: funny. Yeah, yeah. That's how, you, if the quality is different, that's why we are, we're across, we're cross country. We're, we- we're, we're from West Coast to Western United States. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. In a minute since we've, had to figure out how to do this but there are still things we want to talk about and we're not gonna let the virus stop us
1: no we absolutely are not and so today we bring you a episode we've been excited about forever it's sex at byu and what we also need to shout out to and is that um we had a good friend reach out to us and be like hey i want to help you guys like supplement your episodes with um, research and so we have a contributor on this episode that like kind of helped us outline the thing and that's where all the research comes from.
0: Yeah, so shout out to Eric, Eric Scott. Thank you for being a
1: true friend and a gentleman. Just it's just amazing. It is amazing. Anyway, well, where do we want to start? the The title is "Sex at BYU" asterisk from the cis hetero female um, or for the cis hetero female because. Like when we talk about sex appeal you as it is like a social issue, it's mostly a social issue for it's a social issue for all of us, but that impacts women more than men. Um cis hetero. So that's what we're talking about today. So so it's irrelevant what I say. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) I think like just because of there's this history of suppression and females not being able to express their sexual feelings and experience openly I think there's still lingering effects of that so that's why we decided to focus on this and especially in our community where it's a lot more conservative than other communities we just from having friends and a lot of our friends are married or are getting married pretty young um we've been hearing just a few things about that whole transition and experience and there are just a few things we want to
1: point out just a strange um, relationship between young Mormons and sex. So
0: so why does sex suck for Mormon ladies? Um, to just start off, I think sex probably sucks for all virgins. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't think they are the only ones. But um, I do think that just from hearing from my friends, a lot of them if they don't have a lot of sexual education growing up, then um, that tends to be a bigger problem later on.
1: Um, the average age to get married for an LDS woman is like about 22. and then as of 2015, and then so and then at BYU specifically, 25% of BYU in 2015 was married and fit with over 50% of the graduating class that year was married. What you have with those, like what those two numbers I think give you, is just this idea of like the majority of women getting married are really young, um, still in school are still virgins and have been most likely taught a abs taught abstinence um, for their sex education in high school. Um, and I feel like that kind of gives you an idea of like what this lady is like going this, like in like what it's the- maybe the average experience is for a Mormon lady.
0: Mm-hmm. And then you have this, crazy transition of before you get engaged and married not having a lot of conversations and dialogues about sex I went through the Utah high school ed- education so I can speak for Utah or at least my school district I don't know how it works but I had no sexual education at school um, but having grown up in China where actually I feel like sex is talked a little bit more openly than here or maybe be, just because it's a less conservative, religiously, uh, place where like the the way people talk about it might not be very scientific or educational, especially in junior high, <laughs> but at least people talk about it. Yeah, um, and also it's pretty open-minded when it comes to this. Like I remember when I was six, I asked my mom where does babies come from in the kitchen, um, in Hong Kong, and my mom just like told me everything. Just she just, she squatted down to my height level and then just like looked at me in the eye and told me everything. And I was like, oh, that was so <laughs> different than what I, <laughs> I walked away and like went back to doing what I was doing, you know? So I think um, a lot of people didn't have that, um, at least from, from just serving my friends. And so what happens is once you get engaged and once you get married, that seems like the only thing that people talk about the anticipation of marriage that seems to be the focus of all of it right and so the mind shift that has to go from okay this is something we never talk about it's very sacred to okay like get ready like how many kids are you guys gonna have and like all these like all of a sudden that switch and i
1: would add like from the boys perspective like so if that's what's going on in like the for women, like teenage women, like high school age women, and um, who are Mormon, at the same exact time, high school age men um, are in the other room, and what they're taught is like so they're taught abstinence, but then they're also taught like there's this mentality, and I don't know if okay, like, well they're taught like abstinence and so sex is reserved until marriage, um, but there's also this attitude amongst young men who are in who are Mormon that's like that's like like there's this expectation like you will have sex on your wedding night and like there's like an entitlement built into that and on maybe both sides for like men and women but for sure men like there's this entitlement to like yeah I get to have sex on my wedding night but physically Mm -hmm. like a what like the female woman is probably not ready like like there's no like that is not taken into account at all like how ready is your partner like that was never a discussion and that was never part of the dialogue it was just this entitlement of like yeah i'm at if i'm absent i mean i get to have sex on my wedding night which i don't mm-hmm. know if either men or young men or women realize that maybe they don't even want to do that or that wouldn't actually be enjoyable to just go from zero to 100 in one day um, cause they've just been like technically kissing this whole time, you know, if they've been following yeah. what the church teaches, you know? So, so that's why mm-hmm. it's kind of like, uh, oh,
0: yeah. And people might think, well, that's the way that it's always been done. Right. Like the woman is expected to have pain is expected to, you know, go into having this kind of experience, but now knowing more about, and I hope the world is like more about equality, right. About communication, about all these things. I've been, um, bridesmaids for multiple of my friends including my sister and some family members and um I've heard them say before their wedding night so during on their wedding day how stressful and scared they are about having sex that night and they were saying some of them would tell me I don't want to do it I don't want to do it what should I do and I was like well you shouldn't be talking to me you should be talking to your counterpart I don't think any of them did that because of that expectation that's there like oh my gosh like what if i like the first thing, i'm already a bad wife or i like already can't give or like i'm lacking all these things and i can't do it like i can do it and they go into this some of them at least would go into this um this event with that kind of attitude of yeah it's okay like i can do that but i i just imagine in- people are like there is communication and i like what you said from going, going from zero to a hundred like there if a girl has never like the only thing she's put in her vagina was a tampon and all of a sudden now it has to, to
1: a wiener that to a, <laughs> like that's too much
0: to that like why why do we continue on with this expectation and tradition of that's just what's what's gonna happen yeah
1: you're taught as a teenager. So you're like 15, 16, 17, 18. Then you're the average age of getting married is like in your early 20s. So not that long later, like, so what, what I'm saying is what it's so close together, what you learn in your teens to when you get married, that what you're being taught then is actually like directly leading into your sex life and your married life um, for a lot of people. And what we talk about a lot is this good girl syndrome that gets kind of imparted to young girls in the church and then complicates their life in marriage. And so the idea of the good girl syndrome is um, it's where like the religious pressure. um, Well, let me just see what we ever, where the religious pressures for, for young women in particular to be chaste, virtuous, modest, and free of sexual desire overlaps into marriage, psychologically transferring premarital conceptions of sex into religious, uh, religiously acceptable sexual relationships. So it's just like, you've been taught forever. We kind of already talked about this, but it's this idea that you've been taught forever that you're not going to talk about it and that it's not appropriate and that it's wrong. And all of this, then all of a sudden like you flip a switch and it's okay and it should be embraced. And there's no yeah. though for a lot of women, they've never developed like a sexual, they've never embraced their sexual feelings or their sexual side and they don't have a sexual identity at all and so it's just confusing and then it's hard to enjoy and all of a sudden then it's and if it's hard for you to enjoy then it's all about just making your partner happy and kind of mm-hmm. that then there starts this um with that low sexual self-confidence now there's this like tip in the scales where women are just going to be like they're just there to please their partner
0: and to be fair, there is also the good boy syndrome, but the thing is, at least in our religion, that modesty and chastity is so much more emphasized to the to, you know, to the young women, to the female group. And so it's more heightened and elevated in, in, in the female group. And I like what you said about the, the sexual pleasure and embracing their sexual self and sexuality. That is definitely, I think, a hard thing to do. Um, even showing any signs of like sexual desires, it's, it, it, you get all these guilt and shame that's added on top of it. And something that really changed my perspective on female sexuality, it was actually in my anatomy class when we were learning about the reproductive system. Um, we we're learning about all the, we have to learn about, you know, all these different bo- body parts and what the function is. And when we talked about a clitoris, my teacher was like, There is no function to clitoris, but sexual pleasure, that's it. And I was like, really to think that if we believe that God created our bodies and every body part is his design and for his purpose, then sexual pleasure, especially in the female body, is definitely part of his design that he wants us to have pleasure and have sexual desires, right? And it sounds really crazy to say out loud because it's so, it should be. Sounds amazing. uh, But I think in our religious group, especially that this is a novel idea to grasp, especially for people who really like spend their whole life not knowing how to look at sex and their own sexual desires and pleasures. And so that was a turning point for me. And then I think from that point on, I've always tried to (laughs) embrace my sexuality, but didn't quite know how people should also find their own way to to be well i think
1: i think that is an amazing like okay that is an amazing insight just because it is great but also because for so many people just in any sort of um strict conservative religion growing up you are you really develop this association between sex and shame or sex and guilt but then insights like that i think kind of help people like Finally, make those connections where they feel like they can start embracing, um, like that their sexual side is not something to be ashamed of, but something to be embraced and something to be um, proud of. And it's just a part of everyone's being. And so it's like you shouldn't ignore it; you should embrace it. But um, amazing.
0: Yeah, and I think, and at least in our in our culture as well, that there's this idea that if something is sacred, then we don't talk about it. I think it stems probably from the temple. And like the temple is sacred. So we don't talk about it outside of its context. And so sex is also one of those things when really, and then we have this idea, maybe that if we talk about it too much, then it loses sacredness and is, uh, and the, the beauty of it. Maybe that's why Utah doesn't have a good sexual education program, because people might be afraid that the more we talk about sex, the more we're encouraging people to, to do it yeah. without care. When in reality, At least from my experience, the more my parents talked about it, or my parent, my mom, or I learned about it in anatomy, like we talked about it for like weeks, that it it didn't make me want to go just and go and have sex all of a sudden. Rather, it gives me more perspective to understand it and to not be so obsessed over it. You know, I think when people have addictions, it's, we talked about it multiple times having this, um, what is the word? Yeah. Compulsive, compulsory um behavior yeah definitely talk about things that are sacred in its context but if something is sacred and important and beautiful to us we have to talk about it more so we know how to understand it and really really extract and be able to utilize all its sacredness and beauty in our lives
1: so going off of what you said about how like what we're taught Like, so being taught nothing, which is basically abstinence. So what you're trying to, you're trying to protect what is holy, um, actually ends up kind of complicating it. Abstinence. So abstinence, it doesn't teach contraception. It doesn't teach birth control. Um, and it doesn't teach correct sex practices, um, or healthy or safe sex practices. And so I forget who did the study thing and I'm supposed to be like saying all the sources, but, um, they can see a direct correlation between when abstinence is taught and when STIs and um, teen pregnancies spike. And so I think you, what you're trying to do is kind of protect something that should be respected. But in actuality, when you don't teach people about it, then they don't know how to respect it. You know what I mean? And that's kind of what um, what what taught abstinence really does is it doesn't instruct people on how to respect how to have spe- sex respectfully. Um, which is what you want in the end, um, it just kind of bypasses that whole thing and people end up disrespecting it because they have no education on the subject.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And one interesting thing that Eric found from the the, the research is that LDS women place their partner satisfaction as the most important part of sex, which is crazy. Yeah, which is
1: so sad. That is and, so and, cra- and men don't, they do not place it as the most important Like they place it like it's like third on the list. I don't know what's, but I didn't.
0: Yeah. Low sexual self-esteem and higher sexual guilt. Um, definitely. I think
1: contributes to
0: this so significantly.
1: Um, kind of the most amazing part of, so yeah, we said how Eric sent us this um, Google doc with all these different studies and um, information and surveys and, stats and but at the end he had this awesome part of like he included like possible solutions and i wrote down i wrote down some of my own but i wrote down one of his that i wanted to say which is um what did he oh yeah he said he said vagina lessons, like vagina anatomy lessons in young men's and young women's classes or something, which I thought was, I was like, this man is really thinking for the future right here. I'm like, he's completely right with like, maybe what we need to fix these problems is equity in sex ed. Like, um, we need it to be equal and we need to correct for the stuff that the the inequality that's happening now in marriages and in sexual relationships within our community we need to like flush it out and just be transparent and so so i but i thought that was amazing that he put that down i was like wow that is crazy (laughs) but i mean it's it's crazy because we know the context that that would happen and we're like i can't even imagine that happening in my at church when i was a teenager but it's it's what needs to happen and so like it needs to just be flushed out and you need to demystify it and so that way it can be safe and healthy and equal
0: Well, if it's not at church, definitely at school, right? Like definitely or at a home. I think a lot of people, they don't want sexual education at school is because they want to have all the say on how they want to teach their children about sex, which is great and fine, but it doesn't seem like they're actually doing that at the home in the the most scientific and helpful and beneficial way. Um, And for the female anatomy it really has to be a conscious like you're not just gonna like somehow like happen to know what your vulva looks like like you have to you have to really be looking it's not like a penis where it's just like out outward and so i think having that lesson for for males would be great but uh, so much more so for
1: females i was just watching
0: (laughs) oh my gosh
1: yeah that was so crazy that was high definition vagina. I was like, I oh like- my, what?
0: But like, I'm I'm not ashamed to admit, but like, I've actually never done that either. I've never examined what my, what my my down there looked like, even though I've had many talks with really progressive feminists, um, sex educators, and I was anatomy, and I had all these classes and exposure that hey, at least get. to. Their body like nothing more than that it's just hey if someone is to show a picture of your body part can you be able to tell that that that's you according to group lab most of the women was not able to identify their own body parts when she picture so crazy. so crazy that episode
1: is <laughs> like insane if... and amazing actually i wasn't really yeah. watching it i was having a conversation while watching it so that's yeah. why i was so surprised when the vagina popped on the screen but i'm grateful <laughs> for the education
0: <laughs> yeah and, yeah, every girl should take the time to also do that and know that that's not dirty, that's not weird, that's just getting, literally getting to know your body yeah, I think, and what it looks like.
1: I think too, like, I just think that there is this, yeah, this good girl and good boy syndrome of, like, people who are just really, who really feel like the closer to God they want to be, the less sexual and the less they should, like, they need to suppress or whatever the opposite of embracing your sexual self is like they just think that needs to be shoved in the corner and suppressed and that's the exercise they do in high school and their young adulthood and i think we just need to get get rid of that i think that that is what that just creates so much confusion um when you start having a sex life and for these like young marriages i feel like that's the last thing that should be getting in the like that should be a part of the dynamic of a new marriage is this like weird g- getting over all that, um, that you kind of clogged your brain with um, in your young adulthood. And so I think if people could just throw that out the window and just like start embracing those feelings and knowing that they're natural, literally you're like, everyone is experiencing the same thing. We're all human and it's so natural and it's essential to our lives is these feelings and they should just be embraced as another facet of your personality and like stop thinking about it as something that you need to suppress, you know what I mean? And you need to like be ashamed of cause that I think is just breeding so much of this inequality and um, for both genders but that we see um, obviously affects females more than males.
0: Yeah, and like embracing it doesn't mean that, oh my gosh, right like, now I'm just gonna go out and just touch everyone and like have sex that's definitely not what we're saying but sexuality can be expressed in so many different ways right um just from i don't i don't even know how to really ex- express that but you just know by meeting people <laughs> some people are sexually <laughs> oppressed
1: no but you're so uh, right okay do you know what i, what think? I think i think too really it's just words. i think talking openly is something that everybody can do and you don't have to be disrespectful about it, but everyone can acknowledge the fact that they have sexual feelings. People like they literally won't even acknowledge the fact that they have a sexual bone in their body. It's human. And so, and it's very rare at all for someone to have no um, sexual drive. And so, you know, that most people are having this. And so it's, so you talk mm-hmm. openly about don't act like you're not experiencing this because we know um, it's just natural and it's just human. And so I think that's the big thing. like, People can at least start there, like expressing their that their sexuality exists, because I think so many like Mormon teenagers don't even, like, you know what I mean? They just act like, no, like I don't have a sexual urge ever, never had one like and I am like, therefore chaste or whatever. And you're like, what? You're like, that's just not practical in the long run, I feel.
0: Yeah. And if you're only comfortable saying these things in, you know, the boys locker room or with your girlfriends or whatever, then maybe think about like why that is. Like why is it something that you have to hide it from the other gender or other people and not an open topic that you share with everyone that is just like part of part of your experience taking that outside of your private conversations i think obviously like given the context like not at a business and
1: like conference. and like we're not even talking about like talking <laughs> about like about... your private sex life in public like not talking about that either just acknowledging the fact yeah. that you have that, that sexual feelings exist you know what i mean like i swear that is like that is a hurdle that so many people have trouble overcoming like they won't even acknowledge the fact that humans are sexual let alone themselves then get there like Acknowledge that you yourself have sexual feelings, like that would at least get rid of that good girl, uh, like the big part of that good girl um, good boy syndrome that was like so inhibiting.
0: Yeah, love it. I agree. One hundred percent.
1: All right. Well, okay, awesome. Well Ooh. join us next time at rant, coast to coast with Gretel Tam and Hunter Alconis. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Utah Lake, which is gross. From Pacific Coast, from 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 Pacific Coast sands to snowy shoreline of what is it called? I can't. I can't speak. Utah Lake. Whatever. I'm over it.